What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Dreams to Reality podcast and today we've got a very, very special guest and somebody I look up to in more ways than one, Andy. Andy <laughs> Buck, how are you doing? I'm doing very well Cameron, thank you very much and he is taller than he looks by the way. I'm not... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My website's a lie. Um, thank, firstly, thank you. It's Friday Pleasure. afternoon. I appreciate your time. It feels like Friday night, actually, to be fair. It does, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a lovely... Can you explain to everybody, actually, where we are? Yep, so we're, at, um, we're in what we call the Goldfish Bowl in Forecam Road in Stratford, East London, which is the home of Leadership Matters, um, Edustaff, the National College of Education. Um, yeah, this is, where it all, this is where it all happens from. As I said, if you was on holiday yeah. um, and somebody didn't know who you are, and they say, hey, Andy, what do you do for a living? How would you explain what you do to anybody? So I kind of would start by saying I used to be a teacher and a head teacher, but now I work for myself about the thing. I've gone right back to being a teacher, which is around leadership. Um, okay. So I write books, I speak, I coach, I train. Uh, but the, the common thread through all of that is, is just leadership because it makes such a difference. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm happier and making more of a difference in my work mm. career at 56 more than I ever thought or dreamt would be possible at this stage. That's incredible. So, as you said, you you as a teacher, how long was you a teacher for? Oh, 30 years, maybe. So, 30 years. Yeah. Do you just do leadership in education or do you do leadership in so other mainly, areas as well? Mainly education, uh, but it's branching out because, you know, leadership's leadership. So, I do work um, in uh, education-related businesses. Mm. And then, more recently, I've done work in financial services in the wow, city of okay. London. Um, but mainly in education because that's where my passion is. Um, increasingly, of course, that's starting to be more abroad as well as in the UK because one of the things about the Leadership Matters website is you can use it anywhere and of so course. people are starting to get to know the work. That's interesting because for me, obviously, I came, I came across your work because um, I'm heavily involved in education yeah. and I know I'm probably a different market um, to say who you'd be talking to, but I was reading your book. I think it was, two, how old is your first book, the blue one? Uh, the first blue one is, gosh... Uh, it's five years old five years so yeah. I reckon it was probably about three or four years ago I read uh -huh. it yeah. I think I followed you on Twitter I also followed you on um, LinkedIn and I've just kind of been watching from a distance and the more I'm involved in schools and the mm -hmm. more kind of programs I run in schools the more I work with senior leaders and I understand actually how important leadership is mm -hmm. but not just leadership in my opinion to other teachers and to the students, but also teachers leading, students leading, mm -hmm. and then also parents leading as well. Mm -hmm. So parents, especially, say, uh, with my pupil premium stuff I do, parents is a real challenge. Mm. Are you a father? No. Nope. No, 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 I don't have any children. I mean, I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't know how people who are teachers have children. I'm in awe. Because when I get home, the last thing I want is all of that to deal with, to be honest. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. So with that said... You're heavily invested in the work you do and the stuff you've done in schools. When you first started teaching, mm -hmm. did you expect to work up the ranks? Is mm -hmm. that a part of who you are to always kind of give it 100%? Like how, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, no, absolutely did. Um, so I think I was a leader before I was a teacher. I always knew I wanted to be a leader when I was at school and when I was at uni. You know, I, I did leadership things at uni. I was like the whole president. And mm. so I've always loved... And, and I don't think it's because I'm like power crazy. I just like to have influence, I think, probably. I just like to make a difference. And, and I love the fun of doing stuff successfully with other people. So 
it was just a question of well, what what am I going to lead in? What is the area that I'm going to lead in? And I started off thinking that might be in television, actually, ironically, um, and worked for a film company for a free year after leaving uni and then realised that wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I went to the Institute of Education, trained to be a geography teacher, and like the rest is history, really. But it was in a film that I decided I wanted to be a teacher. I went to see Out of Africa in 1987. (laughs) And in that film, I was so in awe of the landscape of Africa and this woman who'd gone to the other side of the world. It just inspired me to be a bit braver about making a decision for myself. Mm. Um, So... Yeah, uh, so I was one of those teachers who thought one day I want to be a head teacher. Uh, I became a head teacher quite young, too young really. How I was old? Th- Thirty-two. Wow. I know it was crazy. It was. It was. It was I mean, it, you <laughs> probably must have probably been shouldn't have been allowed. Cam, to be fair, um, one of the youngest, if not the youngest, head teacher. I, in I mean, UK. there's a few. There's a few around that early early thirties, probably. Yeah, it was quite unusual. Especially I've seen, was, I've seen it in primary schools. Yeah, this was fifteen hundred kids in Dagenham. It was quite a big gig. And wow. two years before that, I'd been a head of geography in Muswell Hill. So it was scary. I used to long for Friday. So <laughs> how was that challenge? It was tough. Did you fall into it or was it something? It was a bit accidental. I mean, I always knew, as I say, I always knew I wanted to be a head. But like that was maybe five or six years after I'd started as mm. a deputy head. But the head took early retirement. And um, I, I was not planning to apply for the job, obviously, two years. It was mm. crazy. But then a member of staff, in fact, a couple of members of staff came to me and said, Andy, are you going to apply? And I thought, well, God, they think it's even a possibility. One of them, I remember one of them said to me, Andy, why don't you apply in case you're the best there is? It's not like the ringing endorsement (laughs) you're looking for in that situation. But anyway, I thought, you know what, I'll stick in because if I'm the best there is, I'd rather it was me than someone else. Anyway, rest is history. I was the best candidate. And I mean, I got the school to good, um, but not solidly good. So that phone call, what came through? Yeah. To say... Excitement and fear in equal was quantity. Was it like, yes! Oh my God. God. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly that. It was exactly that. And the reality quickly set in that this is, you know... So I, let's, let's talk a little bit about leadership. Well, we're going to talk yeah. a lot about leadership. So at 32 years old, yeah. being a head teacher of a school, of course you are not only leading the students, you're leading the staff. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine you would have a lot of staff who was older than you. Mm-hmm. How do you come into that position... Of power, can we call mm-hmm. it that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Position yeah. of power yeah. and lead from the front and make changes and actually be like, oh, he's, what does he know? He's 32. Yeah. How do you, what is the first step of taking over? Yeah. So there's a, there's a French building company that I, in my second headship, worked with when we were designing and building a school called Bouygues. And their strap line, you know, like businesses all have strap lines. Their strap line is, the first thing we build is trust. Wow. And, and, and I think that's actually what I had to do. I think it's what any leader has to do in any job. You, you need to get people to trust you uh, and then they'll come with you. Because, you know, if mm. leadership's three things, it's like having a vision of what you want to create, what Steve Radcliffe calls what you want to get up so to. So you said three things. Yeah. Okay. A vision of where you want to get to. Yeah. Um, uh, you need to then secondly get other people to buy into that and want to come with you. And then you just have to deliver. And that's about systems, organised processes, you know, because it's, it's no good if it's all just that fancy stuff. You've got to, like, get on and make stuff happen as well. And so I think if people are going to trust you, um, or if you want to engage them, if you want to get them to come with you, they need to trust you. And they need to trust you. Stephen Covey's work on, on mm. trust is, is great. And, you know, so um, he's written a few books, but uh, probably I've the, read the most famous the one, famous one, um, the seven. speed of trust. Oh no, the, well no, he's got he's got yeah. one about habits, seven habits yeah, of highly effective people. Read, yeah, which is great. Um, and then there's one he's I think he wrote after that um, called the speed of trust. Um, and basically, if I was to 
get that down to something pithy, um, which is which is kind of like one of the phrases I'm using at the moment about leadership. Pithy is practical ideas that help you. Okay. It's got to be pithy, otherwise, what's the point? You can't mm. do anything. Um, and uh, I mean, basically, he's. I was talking about this this morning with some fantastic schools in in Northwest London. Is uh, two two reasons why someone would trust you, Cam? Why the people you work with would trust you? Schools that mm. employ you to go and do amazing stuff with them would trust you. Number one, because they trust your character, and that's about your intent, your honesty, your decency, your um, transparency, your motivations. That's one reason why people would trust mm. you. Um, but the other reason why people will trust you is because you're good at what you do. You know what you're doing. You know, if someone's going to say, come with me to the North Pole, you're going to think, well, <laughs> do I trust them to know what they're doing? Mm. So it's those two things, really. So going back to, you know, whenever it was, 1980-something, when I was, it was about building trust that I was, I was, I could be trusted for my motivations and my honesty and my decency and trying to be fair and authentic. Uh, and that was a bit easier in a way because I'd been at school two years and they okay. kind of had got to know me. Yeah. The bit that I had to work much harder at was trusting me that I knew what I was doing mm. because some of the time I, don't, I didn't feel inside like I did. There was no MPQH, there was no headship training. I had a mentor uh, who was a lovely guy, really lovely guy. He's not with us anymore. He was a head in the same borough. Uh, and my mentoring was we went down the pub once every half term for a nice chat and a few wow. beers. And that was it. That was it. So you was on your own? I was definitely on my own. Um, so I mean, I learned that, fast, and that, I read. I read, you know. You read. Yeah. You're on the job. You're learning from experience. You're either gonna take the opportunity and you're gonna execute, or it could maybe just become one of the biggest learning experiences. It's still gonna be. You're still gonna be learning anyway. Yeah. What advice would you give somebody, not just in school, mm-hmm. but say even somebody who's starting a football or becoming a captain on the football team or somebody who's got a promotion in their job um, ahead of, say, 10 other people who applied for it in the same yeah. office? Yeah. What, what type of advice would you give them to become that leader, which they need to be, essentially? Mm. What advice would you give? Quite a broad question now, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. But So I think you do need to be up to something. You do need to know what it is you care about, what you're passionate about, because that's infectious. Mm. So being really clear about what matters to me as a person, as a leader. I mean, you'll know. You're, you're, you're very successful. Why? Because you care about things, uh, yeah, not, I think. Yeah. You know? yeah, no, you do. You do. Yeah, right? of you course. Know, from what, my research into you. And that's, that's, what, what, but I, that's you know. what I also said to you, because obviously I got on my Twitter, I talked to 100,000 young people a year. Um, and I think we're going to have to actually change that now because it's a lot less. Right. But the reason why it is a lot less is because it's easy to go and talk to loads of people, but where mm. is the lasting impact? And mm. that was, it was like, okay, it's good, yeah, step on stage, mm-hmm. your ego gets a big, you know, big boost and stuff, but then you go there for an hour and you leave. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to start to provide a lot more kind of value yes. and actually feel like I'm making a difference. Yeah. One that forced me to improve my content, my learning, yeah. my education, yeah. and also had to improve me as a speaker as well. Mm. So now obviously I do a lot less. I do smaller groups, mainly people premium, and mm-hmm. I work with them, say, six times throughout the whole academic year. I bet you make a lot more difference, though, oh, if you 100%. added it all up. Because yeah. I work with the parents. I work closely yeah. with the teachers. Um, yeah. I send out emails to the parents, develop yeah. personal relationships with them now. Yeah. Um, so it's like a big kind of positive circle because what tends to happen sometimes if say little Johnny 
poor old little Johnny. Yeah, yeah, he's always if, little Johnny. Yeah, no, he's always <laughs> little Johnny. If little Johnny um, is constantly bad in school, the te- the parents are getting negative feedback constantly from school. Yeah. So if he finally does something good in my workshop, I can feed something positive back to them. And hopefully it might be able to mm-hmm. kind of shape and change a little bit of mm-hmm. mindset, I guess. Well, you've just illustrated, though, one of the things I think you do, going back to your question about what do you do to get people bought in. One, you care about something. Two, you, you honk positively. So geese, What is honk? Yeah, so honk is one of my sort of informal brands, and the latest book I've written is called Honk. Um, and it's about what geese do. So, you know, we see geese flying in this kind of V-shaped formation. And that's all the kind of, that's all the brand, the geese thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a powerful metaphor. Um, whether or not what we say about geese is true, you know, they can fly 71% further if they're in formation because they get uplift from the bird in front. Um, there's all these things about the metaphor that I write about, particularly in the, in the honk book. Um, but one of the things is that when you honk, which is what geese do, they're honking to encourage the bird at the front to keep going. Oh, okay. uh, but of course, what we have to remember as humans is that when we honk, we need to remember to honk positively. Okay. Which is you saying, you know, if it's just or if children are just always getting a letter home when they've been in trouble, mm. then they, they don't think you care about them, actually. They just think you just want to get them into trouble. Whereas when you're able, like you say, to be able to send something home to a parent. I mean, every, year, every week when I was ahead, I used to send letters home that the staff would give me the information and my PA and I would send... And I used to say to the staff, I will only send letters home if I've got more positive ones to send than negative ones. Mm, wow. And that was like a rule. Um, and I always did. Did you just make that rule up? Yeah, just made it up. Yeah, sometimes you just make things up. You just make things you? up. Yeah, you've never done I that. I mean, I've winged, it, I've winged it this far. So. <laughs> wow. So how long was you ahead in that school? So I did two, two schools. The first one, five years. Five years. And the thing I'm least proud of, well, there's two things really. One was that... I had two years where the results went up really fast. And I thought, oh, okay, I know how to do this. This geography teacher two years later is Mm. running a school. And then in the third year, we went right back to where we started. And at that moment, I kind of like nearly thought, jack it in, I can't do it. And I rang my mum. Did you? My mum was like a real support for me. She had been a teacher. Then she worked like in local authority administration. Mm. And uh, I rang my mum and I said, mum, I don't think I can do this anymore. And my mum knows me, obviously, like, really well. And the mother-son relationship so. thing, yeah. <laughs> she said, oh, you might be right, Andy. I'm not going to disagree with you, but don't make the decision now. And I thought that was really clever. So she didn't disagree with me. She didn't, like, deny me how I was feeling. But she just said, don't decide now. Wait until Christmas. There's no, there's no rush, you know, closing dates for jobs and all the rest of it. And by the time I got to Christmas, I was fine again. I'd, I'd reinvented myself. I'd pulled myself back. So that was a really so she, early you lesson. mum... This might not be for me. And she said, you, you may be right, yeah. but just give it time. Yeah. Which is such good advice. Have such you, a great have response. Have you used that advice? Uh, I, often. Because people, when they're you, emotional... Do you, do you think about your mum when you do Yeah, that, all the time I think yeah. about my mother. You know, sometimes it's just about giving people time to digest. You know, resilience, that whole thing about bouncing back. Sometimes people need a bit of time to bounce back. Mm. And one of the things that helps them bounce back is that social network. Yeah. Uh, it's that belief in what they're doing. It's the self-confidence that they have amongst themselves. And I guess that ability to be flexible a bit. I think for me, they're the kind of four key things that make us resilient. Um, but the other the other thing that happened with that first tip that I'm not proud of. So can of, you just clarify again, yeah, the, f- yeah. what, the four things that make us resilient? What are those? So this is a model by uh, like some guys called Robertson Cooper. Okay. Um, and I love this model. And they have a free, if you Google Robertson Cooper, they have a free diagnostic tool that enables you to find out how much you've got in the tank on each of these four things. Wow. So I use this a lot in my training. So number one, do I believe in what I do? 
purpose because that can get you through when you so know resilience purpose yeah resilience yeah. if you've got purpose you care about what you're doing you think it matters yeah. you can cope with difficult stuff the second thing that helps you cope with something where you need to bounce back is that you just believe in yourself that you've got some self-confidence so like yeah this is hard but i know i can get through it purpose self-confidence the third thing is access to and knowing when to go to someone who'll give you like social support so for me okay. that would be my mum not my only person but my mum's a big one Everyone needs that person or those people. You know, that's why, you know, for heads, I always encourage them to have a coach because um, it's a lonely job. Um, and to have other people in a network. And it's not always local heads because sometimes local heads are part of your competition. Of course. So it, it's people can that it, are outside of that. Can it be that. quite productive to have a coach outside of the education Yeah, sector? absolutely. I had, I've had, I had the guy who was the head of logistics for Sainsbury's wow. as my coach through some business and schools wow. partnership. He used, to, he used to drive in from Essex past my school in a chauffeur-driven car and he'd stop and his chauffeur would sit in the car park and then he'd come in and do a coaching session with me for an hour wow. and then he'd get back in his car and he'd drive him home at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, that's his escort now. That's his escort now. He's going through. He heard you. He's on his way. So, yeah, so that's the third thing, uh, access to that kind of social support. And then the last thing, which I think is really important actually, is like, you do have to be adaptable. Because like if you just keep getting knocked over and you keep coming back and doing the same thing, there's only so much of that you can take. So it's like it's coming back, but like maybe you just slightly reinvented yourself or you just got like a different approach to something that can help you get because through. Because if you're so kind of structured and routine based, I don't it, it doesn't matter where what type of field you're in. I feel to be truly great at something, you must be able to execute outside of your normal schedule and outside of your normal routine. Yeah, I guess. Would that's you agree true. or disagree? No, I, I would agree. So, I mean, for I example, think... just say worst case scenario. Um, you normally say walk the dog in the morning. You go and do this, but all of a sudden you get a phone call. It's yeah. a school in Dubai. Um, yeah. They want you to fly over tonight, and you got yeah. to perform in the morning. Yeah, this is completely out of your routine. You yes. don't know what you're going to talk about, but now you're on a stage. You just yes. got to execute. Yeah. So here's the thing: we're all different. Okay. So for some people, that will be easier than for others. I can imagine. And so one of the tools that we have on the Leadership Matters website is called LM Persona. And what that does is it gives leaders, middle leaders, senior leaders, aspirant leaders, you know, anyone in a school actually can, can do this tool, LM Persona. Mm. And they'll find out about their own personality predispositions. So some of us quite like change. Some of us quite like lastminute.com and, and are actually motivated by it. They're the people at uni who would like still be doing their essays in the middle of the night just before. There might be you, Cameron, because I suspect you're someone who likes last minute, not judging you at all. Uh, but others like things to be more organized and tidy and planned. Yeah, now, it's not saying you can't do It's not saying you can't be planned. You know, we've yeah. planned this interview ages ago. You're very well organized. But that's actually you writing with your other hand metaphorically. It's not you being your natural self, which is like, just go with the flow. No, it's true. Um, That's and why so, I've, got on a, I've got a PA now. Enzo's like my right-hand man, so she yeah. emails me and I just... Yeah. I'm a mess sometimes yeah, 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 yeah. but it's what I do what I know I'm good at is yeah. what but like I got the email from you yesterday saying just mm. check in we're on for tomorrow yeah. and that wasn't you it wasn't, that was you not your, your PA mm. so you've learnt to do it yeah. so we can all do it but you have to because yeah. to begin with I bet even when you started Leadership Matters when you started being uh, working for yourself yeah. you've got to create your own routine your own habits Disciplines. and you've got to look yeah. after yourself because um, if you don't you're not yeah. going to have a business and one of the yeah. things that really helps people do that who are not naturally organised is is the concept of the checklist 
So checklists, uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole topic in the book, checklist, like this, the, the, you know, when you're sitting in a flight somewhere and you hear on the intercom, you know, doors to cross-check and manual, why is that happening? Because a woman or a man in the cockpit has got a clipboard with a piece of paper and a pen and it just says uh, someone needs to say that and then they tick it off. Wow. So with all that technology in a plane, there's still a pen and a piece of paper and a clipboard and a checklist. It's, it's the way that intelligent, clever people stop forgetting to do the things that can be disastrous if you don't. It doesn't teach you how to fly the plane, but it makes sure that you don't forget to do the things that get forgotten. I mean, the guy that wrote a brilliant book called The Checklist Manifesto, Atal Gawand, he devised a checklist for surgery. Um, really simple, wow. you know. Things like, just before we stitch them up, make sure there's nothing still left inside the body. And it, 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 as a result of this simple checklist being introduced in hospitals in the developed world, in the developing world, they, he introduced it in eight hospitals. They reduced the death rate in surgery by 40 percent from just using a checklist so leadership sometimes is just about doing the mundane things really well even though that's that's, it's interesting you said that because even though that's simple we can't confuse that with easy sometimes no just because something is simple doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to do it's very easy to forget things it's simple to wake up in the morning and go to the gym but it's not easy to do it yeah. Or is it, I don't know. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, statement completely or? agree with that. And that's partly about self motivation, you know. And you probably know more about that than I do. But it, you know, believing in what you're doing and wanting to do it for you mm. in the end is the most important thing. But actually, yeah, just just having simple routines that become habit is what is sits behind great leadership it's not all about being charismatic and inspiring you know you have to do the grunt work and you have to know what the best things are to do as a leader we'll talk a little bit more about that definitely um because i do have some questions in my head i really want to ask you but i don't want to miss this slump you've just discussed a minute ago Mm -hmm. so two years in everything Mm -hmm. was going great your mum told you to wait till Christmas, see if you change your mind. Mm-hmm. What happened when January that year? You come back, you was, everything was back to normal? or Yeah, I'd, I had a really good meeting with my boss in the local authority. Like He was the director of education and he called me in and was unconditionally supportive of me and what I was doing. Did he know you were struggling? Yeah, oh yeah, because he'd seen the preliminary results. Like He was as gutted as I was. Mm. Uh, but he could have called me in and said, Andy, this is awful, you know, consider your position. He didn't. He said, let's talk about this, let's work out what went wrong and let's make sure that you learn from it, which was brilliant. Do you think that still happens a lot in education? Not as much as it should sometimes. Sometimes it feels like being a head teacher is kind of like being a football coach, yeah, or a football manager. And they call it, it football too- manager syndrome now in education. Oh, do they actually? That is a, it's a thing. I, it kind of sounds yeah. like I did that on purpose, but actually yeah, didn't. Yeah, no, no. But I, it's true I, yeah, because I trust it's you. like if you if, if if you don't if you don't perform, it seems yeah. like I know some schools and some head teachers. I'm not going to mm-hmm. mention them, of course. Mm-hmm. And they need these schools need structure. These schools need somebody in there for three, four, five years, yeah. and they're difficult schools. They're yeah. not going to change overnight. Yeah. And if you have got a year and a half to improve a school, <laughs> sorry, yeah. you're gone. It's yeah. never going to happen. Yeah. And and some of these schools that you're talking about are not going to change in a year. They take longer than that. It's culture. Um, it's culture and climate. I mean, that's, yeah, they're, yeah. they're my two big things that I write about and care about. Um, and, and you know, and it's very tempting. I mean, I when I was managing director at United Learning, I was responsible for forty schools. Uh, and you, you see, a, what sorry? I was managing director at United Learning, so it's like the what biggest academy group now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was my job. I, I was like the line manager of all the heads. Wow, I didn't know and you I, did that. Okay. 
So your research has not a, been got, quite as good as you thought, bit, is yeah, it? Yeah. A little bit more respect from me. Okay, yeah, go on, carry yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but it was very tempting sometimes to think they can't do it. And, and giving people another year or another two years to, to do it was... Because, because when I got there, the reputation of the company or the organisation beforehand was, you know, people disappeared in the night. And John Coles and I, who I was working with, we really wanted to change that culture. Um, I mean, obviously, at some point, you have to intervene because children deserve, you know... And there's going to be a lot of pressure and stress in any type of job. But if, if you're so concerned about getting fired mm. because you're not performing, you're not going to perform really well. No, you're going right. to be focused on the negative instead of actually the positive. So true. So if you know you've got, like, an, um, some time at least... Yeah. Then, then it does make a difference psychologically. Of course, yeah. it would. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the other thing is, uh, Ben Laker. He does a lot of work. Dr. Ben Laker does a lot of work with the National College of Education, one okay. of our partners at Leadership Matters. Uh, he did some research uh, with uh, I forget the name of the organisation, the Centre for High Performance, or something like that. And what what he identified was that for schools that are on that turnaround journey, there are some key indicators that tell you the exam results are coming which I think is really helpful. They're kind of lead indicators. So, you know, just simple things like parental attendance at parents' evenings, Mm. staff attendance, staff turnover. These are proxy measures for changes in culture, changes in climate that mean that, yeah, hang on in there because these change first. Mm. And then other things will... That's similar to what I do in my PP programmes, to be honest. Um, So I measure it through hard data and soft data as well. So I measure... Mainly attendance, um, behaviour points, yep. lateness, and all of these things. Because I know if they're in, for example, some people's attendance could be sixty-seven percent, say last year. Mm-hmm. So when we do the free commitments at the end of every single session, I do keeping it simple again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. like okay, actually, do you know what the hard data is? This. Do you think you can turn up tomorrow? Like, I'm already doing it. So it's yes. like, it's, it's trying to tick those boxes again. Yeah. Um, but then also we do obviously a lot of work around aspirations, goal setting and, yeah. and, and things like that. No, it's the same. It's just the same. But it's breaking, yeah, it's just breaking it down into the simplest mm-hmm. form, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And three is a good number. I love three. Yeah? Yeah. Three. I'm a 31 type of man. <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> That's why I used to do it when I played American football. But, um, yeah, it's just fascinating, but it's just trying to break it down. But the reason why I do that, I don't know whether it's right, but I talk about breaking, obviously, the commitments down, goal mm-hmm. setting, is because it's direction. Yeah. S- some of us don't really need motivation. We just need some type of direction. Yeah. Where are we going? Because yeah. I say it, whether it's right or wrong, is that so many adults spend more time planning a holiday than they do their own lives. Yes. And it doesn't take long to plan or just prepare just a little bit more. And yeah. actually, do you know what? It might make you actually feel a little bit better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I'm guessing as well that those goals, the more you would agree that the more they are created from within the person mm-hmm. rather than dictated by you, the more they're going to own it, the more they're going to care about it, the greater chance they're going to do it, which is why I'm such a fan of coaching as, a, mm-hmm. as an approach because coaching is all about creating your own intrinsic motivations mm. rather than you know extrinsically imposing so i mean i'm i'm, a, I'm a vivo points and all of that stuff and credits and you know i'm not saying that we shouldn't do that but in the end it's about students wanting to do things because they want to do them for themselves That's yeah because the, when we first set the commitments it's more like be good in school turn up on time yeah. or this and that but i start with that because it's a start 
Yeah. But then it, for me, it's about the how. Yeah. How can you achieve that? It's okay to say never get behavior points, but come on, you get 100 yeah. every year. Yeah. So it's like, how can we not get as many? Yeah. Um, because the how is a big question. It's like climbing Mount Everest, isn't it? Everyone, yeah. You might want to climb Mount Everest until you look at the how. Yeah. That might mean you have to spend every single day training, this and that. So the how is the big mm -hmm. one. And then what to follow up from that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of falls into leadership, whether it's self-accountability or mm -hmm. it's other people holding us accountable. Yeah. Why is accountability important? Is it important? Oh, yeah, completely. Um, I mean, children deserve to know that the people that government and the public are spending money on are being held to account for what they do. Mm. It, it's like all things in leadership, though. Um, it's, not a, it's not a yes, we should have it or no, we shouldn't. It's about getting the balance of it right. My view is we haven't got the balance right. You know, because we were talking about football manager syndrome. Well, that starts with the system of accountability within the country. Ah, which I is, got you. And so yeah. that then... Just works. It just all just beautifully filters down the system to the teacher in the classroom, and we, you know, people talk about the fact we've got a recruitment crisis in education at the moment in this country. I don't think we have. I think we've got a retention crisis. Wow. We don't keep our teachers, um, and the reason we don't keep our teachers is because the the environment, the culture, and the climate that you know we're hinting at that they're working in um, can be toxic sometimes. And so that, but it all filters down. And, and the role of the leader is to protect the staff from that sometimes. But mm. that's hard because they're feeling it as well. They know if yeah. they don't deliver, you know. So this is where, you know, and even multi academy trust CEOs, they're feeling that pressure from government. And then they're yeah, driving their down. heads. And, and, it, and, you know, so it's breaking that cycle. Um, Can you just walk into a school now and feel whether it's. It's not all about Ofsted, but whether it's a good school or whether it's not. Mm -hmm. Because I, I can kind of do it now. I don't mm -hmm. know what, I don't know it into the detail that you do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes just by going into the reception, the way the receptionist is, literally everything. Yeah. It can like sometimes make or break even your experience yeah. in the school. So I've gone into school and sometimes receptionists have been kind of rude. So yeah. I'm like, oh, what's this school going to be like? And it's yeah. funny that most of the time... Y your predictions are right. Yes. Yeah. So I think you can. Tony Blair famously said that, didn't he? You know, within 10 seconds of being in a school, he could tell what it was like. Really? A bit arrogant, but, but you know, I think there's a truth in that. And, and yes, you know, the schools that I was in today, the, the welcome, the detail, the planning, the organising, I just knew what I was going into. That's amazing. And the, and the day was like that. Um, and yeah, there's other places where you rock up and they're not expecting you. There's nowhere for you to park. Do you need a computer? You know, do, yeah. you know, what, you know all of that. And, That's true. And I feel sorry as well because I can see sometimes these are schools that are really struggling. Yeah. And it's not even their fault. It's just no. where they are. But, but those, you know, they're like the little lead indicators again. Like mm. they're a lead indicator for what you're about to find in the school. Mm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So you did your five years at this school. Yes. How did you recover out of that first slump? Two to three years in. Uh, I, well, with all those things I was talking about before, you know, I believed in myself. I yeah. did have confidence. I did, you know, I reinvented myself. I said, no, go again. My mum helped. Um, and knowing that they'd got my back in the town hall. Wow. That was really important. You know, that they, they said, no, 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 you can do this. And then the next year we were fine again. Mm. But the other thing that wasn't so good is they, was th they were then opening up a brand new school, Joe Richardson Community School, one school of the year last year in the oh, Pearson okay. Teaching wow. School. Nine years after I left, it won school of the year. It's the thing I'm most proud of I've ever done because I left something that was in really good shape with a, the deputy becoming the head, Joe Smith, who's amazing. You know, He's done that headship there longer than I ever did setting the school up. I did seven years. I think he's done nine or something, uh, maybe ten. And um, 
when I left the first headship, 18 months after I left, it went into special measures. And I'm not proud of that because I don't think I left it, particularly the leadership, in a good enough shape. Uh, and they also appointed someone who was uh, sadly not with us anymore. She died of cancer, but she came in and she did that thing that classically heads do when they make the mistake, is just come in and change everything without really getting to know and understand so how the place mistake, ticks. Is it? I think so. I mean, I, th- I, I mean, sometimes you have to act fast. If, if things aren't great, then you have to act fast. But it was a school that actually was in quite... It was good. You know, Ofsted mm. had said it was good. Um, and, and you just need to, like, take some time to understand what am I dealing with here before you then start to change things. Now, sometimes you can do that quite quickly. But either she wasn't able to do that or I, I don't think she had the confidence of the pupils and the staff either for whatever reason. Um... And so, but that, you know, I have to take my share of responsibility mm. for that. I didn't, I, you know, wh- where, so when I left... That says a lot about you to actually take responsibility for that. Yeah, I mean, I because don't... Because you could take it as like, you know, I'm such a good leader, that it was this, and then it just shows how, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean... I but don't could know, you say, I, do, you, do you watch, I don't, I'm not a massive football fan, but do you right. watch football at all? A bit, yeah. Like, I'm say like you, when, not... Say when, like, um, what's his name, um, Alex Ferguson left yes. Manchester United, they took yeah. a big slump yeah does that mean he was the best leader or best coach ever or does that actually are you actually saying maybe he wasn't because he didn't build up longevity after he left so it's hard to know it's hard to know okay yeah because because one situation might not be the same as another and i think that the leadership that the head did uh provided um was a big part of why it went wrong that wasn't anything to do with me i didn't wasn't involved in the appointment and you know all the rest of it um, but I got you, yeah. I, what I didn't do was succession plan properly. So when I left Joe Richardson, uh, the last two years I was working as an executive head. There was a head of school, Jez, who like I, were, I really was his coach, but he was running it. But you know he'd been there from the beginning. He understood it. Half of the leadership team that were there when we started the school, there were four of us. Two of them are still there, and they've now got that school that's one school of the year and the Pearson Teaching Awards. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so that's a different, that's a kind of reverse story, really. And they're, they're incredible. What they've done, um, you know, the results have, like, gone up a third again from when I left. When was that? I left in 2009. 2009? That's when I was last in a school, working full-time in a school. And then yeah. where'd you go? So that's when I went to work at the National College for School Leadership. Yeah. So I was leading on something called London Challenge, which was helping London schools help one another leading a programme called Good to Great, which is to help more good schools become outstanding, uh, and, uh, and a lot of other stuff as well. Uh, and then when the new government came in, in 2010, uh, I was responsible for getting into the white paper and then, or helping get into the white paper and set up teaching schools, which you might have come across. Mm. So these are like flagship schools that work with other schools to try and improve okay. the system. So, so I did that for a while, and then I kind of didn't like being a civil servant uh, and uh, that's when I went to work at United Learning as the managing director there. But that job didn't really suit me. There's something about what you're good at, knowing yourself. Mm. And like, what I realised was I was just so far away from the front line, from children, from being a teacher, which I, you know, when I was ahead, I always taught. Well, that's one of the things I didn't do in that year when I had the problem. And so one of the things I started to do was teach again. Okay. Uh, I started to say, no, I am going to run the school ski trip again. I might be the head, but I can still do that. Yeah. I am going to get involved in the production side of the school plays because I love that and I'm passionate about it. Mm. Uh, and I'd stopped doing all those things. So the things that was giving me nourishment, that were giving me nourishment, 
uh, I started doing again. And that was okay. part of how I got myself out of that hole that I was in because it was doing things with children. Mm. And so five and a half years ago, I decided, no, I want to go back to being a teacher. I mean, this time I mainly work with adults, not children. I do a bit of work with children, but mainly with adults. But I'm doing the thing I'm passionate about, which is helping people learn, grow, develop, um, teach. And yeah. that's when you've gone on... Like and that's, yeah, and that's when it's just like... And then Leadership Matters has just done that. Everything you say... It seems like you've got research, you've got the experience, and you've got formulas on formulas to explain everything, which is amazing. What if you just, to somebody who doesn't know much about leadership or know much about it, it could mm -hmm. seem overcomplicated at the moment. Yeah. They're completely new to it. Yes. What is the first step of becoming a leader? Okay. The first step, what is some? Somebody's like, I've got to take charge at home, or I've got to take charge in my classroom, I've mm. got to take charge of my life. Yeah. What is like the first step? So I'm going to give the same answer I gave before. That's fine. Because, because, you know, I just think it is simple. And we were talking about three being a good number. Mm. It's just realizing what your job is. It's about knowing what you want to achieve and being passionate about it. And this is the work of Steve Radcliffe that I'm drawing on here. Um, but it's just three things, and it is really simple. But what if you don't have a vision? Then you need one because if you don't, if you don't so you, have, you need one. You have to. If have you a don't, if you don't have something that gets you out in bed in the morning that you care about, mm. then you just won't really be a very good leader because because people will immediately sniff out that you're just doing it like for the money or for the power or the status mm. or whereas when people can see you care about something you're passionate about it like you are with your work like other people are that do your sort of work like I am with my work it's infectious and like stuff just all sort of happens mm, even when you're not expecting it opportunities suddenly present themselves that you've not planned for but you know people say you know you're lucky I don't think I'm lucky I think we, you know successful people make their own luck because of their passion for so be up to something Steve Radcliffe was saying he's absolutely right I mean by the way you know, you're talking about me having formulas and, you know, I've only really learned what I really think about leadership in the last five years when I've had to properly sit down and think about That's it. That's what I mean. So it's like, I never, it's like you know how to do I it. I never, I never, I was doing it, but I didn't but really know why. you to explain it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know why. And I had to, you know, when I went freelance, I thought, well, I need to, I'm a geographer, like I need a map. I need to see, like, what does it look like? What are all the bits of this and how do they fit together? So I spent a lot of time reading and working that out for myself in a simple way, not overcomplicated, because, you know, if things are too complicated, people just like, oh, it's too much. Um, I just tried to distill it down to the, 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 the heart of it, and that's why, like, keeping things pithy, practical ideas that help you mm. is so important for me. So that would be my first thing, is, like, work out what you care about and what you want to try and achieve. Remember then, it's not about you doing everything. Remember, your job is to get other people to want to lead with you and for you. That's interesting. Yeah, it's because the what temptation if you is. are a person who's trying to be in control of everything? Okay. Does that make you a leader? Does that yeah. make you a bad leader, a good leader? Because some people are just so like, yes. they don't know how to delegate. They're too scared to delegate, whether it's ego, pride, whether it's they yes. scared, Risk, scared. You know, I'm accountable for this, so I'm not going to let go of it. That's mm. a real, I mean, one thing that stops, I mean, there are a number of things, I talk about this in the book, the things that stop us delegating. One, because we think we can do it better. Two, because we think we do it quicker. Three, because we like to keep control. Four, because we want to be needed. Five, Ooh. because, yeah, which is a bit deeper, isn't it? But, oh, you know, some people don't get rid of things because they think, this is my identity. This is what I do. I'm not going to give that up. Um, I've seen that. I've done that. Wow. Um, sometimes people will just think they're busy. 
I'm paid more. I'm accountable. There are all reasons why we don't delegate. And by the way, there are times when not delegating is the right thing to do. You know, if the fire alarm went off now, I wouldn't say to you, should we just sit down and have a little conversation, decide which door to go through? <laughs> One of us would be up and saying, come on, out, and we'd be, on, we'd be mm. doing it, yeah? So sometimes being directive... Yeah, on. exactly. You'd be leading from the front, come on. <laughs> so, you I'll know, be shutting the doors behind me. But, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I write about and, and talk about with leadership is like thinking, right, what's the situation here? Mm. What style of leadership does it need? Does it need me to lead from the front or does it need me to delegate and empower others? And usually, if things aren't very good or people aren't very experienced, then you need to lead from the front and show people what to do. But that's the habit that you then don't change from. As they get skilled up, they're going to feel like you're micromanaging them. They're going to feel like you don't trust them. They're going to feel like you're not empowering them, giving them autonomy, which is a great motivator. Of course it is. And so what you have to do is you have to change the way you're working then to allow them to make more decisions and to feel more empowered and to trust them to, to do things. Mm. Now, if you'd done that at the beginning, you'd have chaos. So it was not the right thing to do at the start. But if, it, if all you do is just keep telling people what to do or keep hold of stuff and control, you'll, you'll, you'll get, you can, you know, Joel Klein runs the schools or did run all the schools in New York. He's got this brilliant phrase. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but he said, you know, you can mandate adequacy. But you <laughs> have a to... a bit of an American accent then. Uh, yeah, so right. Don't start. <laughs> but you have to unleash greatness. You have to unleash greatness. Mm. Um, because... You know, great organizations, you know, if you take all the ones from today of Google and Apple and all of these mm. tech companies, they, they, you know, they would say, and I, I kind of believe it, I think, you know, they empower people to own things and make their own choices and decisions. Um, and I think that's, so, so leadership is about like thinking, making sure you know the situation and then making a conscious decision and asking questions. There's a whole topic in the book about asking questions, because if you ask questions, you find out what you're dealing with. And that can really then help you resist the temptation to jump in and tell people or show people what yeah. to do. So why does leadership matter? Why does it matter? Why, mm. why, why? Because there is so much evidence that says good leadership makes a difference to outcomes. And so I'm passionate about leadership, particularly in schools, because you know, obviously the most important thing that makes children successful in schools is what their teachers are like. That's, you know, all the evidence says that. But there's a pretty compelling argument that says the second most important thing is what's the leadership in a school like? Wow. Um, and, you know, been, that research was revisited just this year. It was 10 years old and it was revisited again this year and it's still saying the same thing. Wow. So, you know, the play on the word leadership matters is one, because it matters and two, because I care about things to do with leadership, which are leadership matters. Of course. Um, and so, yeah, that's why we yes. called the book. That's why we called the company Leadership Matters for that double play uh, on so it. But what would you say now, Andy Buck, what is your dream now? What is what are you trying to do? Your resume, uh, your CV, whatever you want to call it, is huge. You've done yeah. near everything in education itself and now obviously you work for yourself you provide a huge amount of coaching training speaking books you name mm -hmm. it what it what's next what is the dream for you mm -hmm. well first of all you have to think about remembering that work is only a part of life okay and i'm you know i'm 56 which is not ancient of course I mean, you know but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't want to be the person that just keeps working forever and, and like starts to deteriorate in health and in effectiveness. So 
I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking very carefully. Um, so I, I mentioned before about when I was in out of Africa and I had a, like a moment and yeah. thought I want to be a teacher. And the next day I signed up at the Institute of Education and was in teaching. Um, last summer I had a similar thing in a play, and this was a play um, uh, called Shadowlands, same as the film Shadowlands, probably before your time. Uh, but it had um, uh, Deborah Winger and Anthony Hopkins in it, and it was okay. about the later life of C.S. Lewis, the author who wrote, you know, all the Narnia books and everything. And that, he was a confirmed Oxford Don bachelor, living the life, you know, with sherry after dinner, and he lived with his brother in a house in Oxford, I think it was. And uh, anyway, he fell in love in his 50s with this American woman who was a bit of a fan of his writing, came over, met him, and they, they fell in love. And uh, they were looking forward to 20 or 30 years of living together. Uh, the brother got booted out, you know, <laughs> all of this. And then she got cancer, and a year later she was dead. And the play is very sad at the end, because it's like, whoa, wow. OK, this was all looking like so exciting, and then that happens. But it's a very moving uh, piece. It's a beautiful play, it's a beautiful film. But in that, I came out of it, and I said to my partner at the end of it, we need to go to the pub. I said, because that's just, I've just had a moment. So we went to the pub in Chichester, the Bell, where all the loveys go after the show, had a couple of pints, and at the end of it, we'd created what we call Project 2020, okay. which is uh, next year. Uh, my partner's retiring, so she's finishing work this year, and um, we're going to travel. I'm going to work three well, months a year, because I can't stop working. I'm going to work three months a year, um, uh, doing face-to-face stuff in Britain but it gives windows then to, to combine travelling with working abroad. So I don't know what's going to happen, but that's the next phase. But you're still taking a step back. From I've taken a step bit. back, but I'm, I, I, what I want to do in those three months when I'm here is really sing about Leadership Matters, because what I've learned is, you know, I get emails, probably, I probably get an email a week, it's not a huge number, but I get emails every week um, from, from leaders who say, I just wanted to let you know, I think I got my last job because of you. Or our school's, like, really been on a journey and you've been a part of that and I've never even met these people. Mm. And that fills me with joy because, one, they can be bothered. They're bothered to want to come and send me that email, which says something. But also, it's it's kind of like I'm multiplying the learning through through creating resources that people can use. So, you know, the 40 videos that talk about how to have a difficult conversation, Mm. how to run a good meeting, how to create a vision how to use the right leadership style, you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about. I've, I've filmed 40 videos. So I don't need to keep saying it because they're there. And they won't, they, you know, they're, they're, they're universal human truths. They probably won't age. I mean, they will eventually age, obviously. Everything ages eventually. But they're, they're, they've got some life in them. They'll keep going after I'm long, long gone, probably. And the books, they're a way of leaving an, an, an ideas and thoughts that help people organise what they're doing. And the whole idea of the Leadership Matters thing is that it also empowers schools to run their own training mm. so that they can tailor it to suit their own situation. You know, we've got PowerPoint slides, we've got the videos, and then all the diagnostic tools, LM Persona, knowing your personnel, but there's a 360 tool on there. And, you know, so what I will carry on doing is creating new tools for that. And, you know, I'm even thinking so about what, doing that for, for yeah, young people as well, just, you know. Maybe that's... Yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah it's exciting. Um, so you're just... What it sounds like to me, the next step for you is to work a bit more smarter, yeah, and be a bit have your intentions, mm-hmm. your attention on the intention essentially. So knowing exactly what you're trying mm-hmm. to do, what you're trying to achieve, yeah, and then cut everything else out and actually enjoy some of the life you've worked for, which yes. isn't a bad thing. Yeah. But as a leader, do you think you you will know how to relax <laughs> to that level? 
So I'm quite good at it. I mean, one of the things about being a teacher is you have to make use of those 13 weeks a year that you get. Mm. I mean, you you have to work in the holidays a bit, but I've always been really strict about that. That's one of the ways. So I am like absolutely full on at work. That's amazing. You know, I'll do a 12, 14 hour day most days when I was ahead. Um, and but that wouldn't be healthy if you didn't then like completely almost completely shut off in the holidays so we used to go I, I, I'm never at home in the holidays 13 weeks a year I'm lucky enough you know I've earned it but I, I've got a and it was cheap but I bought this ramshackle place in France um, this year I spent I spent two months there altogether, and that's where I do my writing and my thinking that's and amazing. my reading um, but also it's just like where I switch off um, and I worry that some school leaders work too much in the holidays well, well teachers too you know, you need that time to switch off. Those holidays are important. You have to. Yeah. It's about looking after yourself. Absolutely. You talked about a resilience tank earlier, but also about the stress, stress tank. Yeah. And it's just like, if you're not kind of doing the things you need to do to enjoy yourself, yeah. it could even just be looking after yourself, sleeping properly. Sleep eating, eating, is the biggest thing. Sleep. I have to have at least seven hours a night. Yeah. If I get less than seven, the next night I've got to have eight. Last night I had eight and a half. So this morning, there was, they had no chance. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. just, sleep got, sleep I, makes an amazing difference. I've got a five-month-old baby at home, so I'm not so lucky at the moment. Mm. Um, but it's yeah. true. Like Somebody said to me the other day on Instagram, they said, what is like the number one killer of motivation? And I said, yeah. being tired. Yeah. Being tired, you're just... Mm-hmm. It, breeds fatigue yeah. it's like especially when you're tired and you're hungry yeah even worse yeah. <laughs> well you just get you just get hangry as well you don't get you get hangry don't yeah. you yeah. but it's just trying to understand what you need to do to ensure that you can yeah. stay consistent you don't have to operate 100% every single day yeah. but if you can still operate say from 70 to 90% yeah. and look after yourself that yeah. is the main thing and yeah. I talk about it a lot it's not about perfection it's about progress absolutely as long as, long as we just focus on progress and, progress, progress. and one of the things that I think, you know, it is about working smarter. I think I've always worked quite smart. And, I, you know, I sometimes used to feel guilty about looking for shortcuts of ways of, you know, making myself mm. more efficient. Actually, I think it's been at the heart of my success. So the, the, the thing called the Pareto principle of, uh, you know, works like this. You, you do this, I suspect. 20% of effort will usually get you 80% yeah, of a result. 80, 20, yeah. yeah, the 80-20. Uh, so, you know, do you want to do one thing perfectly, 100% input, 100% output, or do you want to do five lots of 20% and get five lots of 80% result? Because mm-hmm. 80% normally, when we get 80% in an exam, we're well what chuffed. Yeah? First, I mean, some things need to be perfect. Thing, what's the first in uni? Like 70, 70 yeah. and above. Exactly. Some things need to be perfect. Like if you were in charge of the budget of United Learning, you can't have that 80% accurate. It's got to be right. Yeah, I bet you. Some things have to be perfect, but most things don't. And yet... There are lots of little Mr. and Miss Perfects out there in the education world who just like think they've got to do everything perfectly, mm. like marking. That's bad. Yes. You can see it though, can't you? You can see it. You okay? <laughs> you can see it. So we have, I asked you then, Yeah. what's the dream? Yeah. What's the reality of the situation? Okay, not did, far off that. Did you see what I... Okay. Oh, is this your podcast? Is it called Dreams to Reality? Oh, yeah. My God. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) No, but what is obviously you say it's not far off that, but what has been the reality of the situation? You don't just build a brand, and let's be honest, right? um, From my standpoint and why I reached out to you is because you are certified. People I spoke to, head teachers I spoke to, all around the UK. I'm not just based in Bristol. I go everywhere. Yeah. People know you. And they actually say, you know what you're talking about. 
Okay. And I think one thing, this podcast confirms that. Right, okay. Um, That's all right then. That doesn't, that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't right. just come from talking. Mm-hmm. You've built up. You've built it up. You've led from the front, essentially. Yeah. But well, I, it couldn't have always been that easy, especially by starting your own company and things like that. No, and, and people often ask me for advice about, look, I'm thinking of going freelance. I'm thinking of setting up my own company. What's your advice? Don't and so it. on and so on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I always say, no, do it, but you need to just think about it. And, uh, and I didn't do it. You know, there was a lot of... I probably didn't always know I was intuitively doing this, but I was laying the ground for it. So I was building profile because it's all about profile in the end um, uh, and word of mouth. That's why I said I've done it for free for three or four yes, years. Yes, exactly. And I was sort of doing that when I was ahead. So when I was ahead, I was doing quite a lot of gigging, speaking at conferences, and then of course going and working at the National College for School Leadership. You know, all of that helped build the brand. But you know, I actually think it goes back to. I mean, funny enough, you just mentioned both of these just now in a way. Although I don't think you realised you were doing it, but. Um, you know the two elements of trust mm. if I was the teacher now I'd test you on whether or not you could remember what they were Cam your face says don't, don't go there Andy um, I know you it's loved Friday, school so didn't listen, you yeah, I know. you yeah, left yeah. at 5 so, o'clock this morning character competence do people think you're the real deal are you authentic okay. and like um, I've just learnt there's no point in trying to be something you're not you know being you is another thing that makes you a great leader don't try and be like some other leader just be you um, and you know, and I Quickly, really before you say that, does all leaders need to be outgoing? No, outspoken. Absolutely not. Is that kind of um, it's a it's a misconception? Yes, because that's what you think. Leaders should yeah. be. Come on, let's get out Listen, on the field. Let's sometimes do this. we're inspired by the quietest of people, aren't we? True. You know, take. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but Mother Teresa, mm. she was just she led by her convictions and her quietly getting on and doing amazing things. Mm. She wasn't, you know, uh, you know, then you take someone like Nelson Mandela, you know, he gave up all those years of his life in a flipping jail and was a, you know, it was... That's literally, when know. he's driving through central London today, I, we seen, obviously, the Nelson Mandela statue, and we said, I said to um, Gadget Line Dave, I said, do you know, that statue is actually there before he died. I said, yeah. that's when you know. Well, that's serious. That's when you know. Yes. Yeah. He said, I'm not going to die until yeah. I at least get a statue. And I yeah, said, yeah, yeah, maybe if your mum put one in his garden. Yeah. garden. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now we're into garden gnomes in yours. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> the Buddha yeah, in the yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I suppose it comes down to um, why do people buy into you? And they buy into you because you're good at what you do. That's the other side mm. to it. And because you connect with them in some way. And, and, and that's about authenticity and character and intent and then believing in you, believing in what you believe in, genuinely. Mm. So, so I think the reason that Leadership Matters has done as well as it has is because I've, like, I've not f- tried to falsely claim. I mean, I did have a rule that I set myself when I started working freelance. One was um, uh, only take jobs where you think you can do it as well as anyone you know. Which is a pretty high bar to put on mm. something. But I kind of thought, if I can think of someone who'd be better at this, well, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to recommend them. Um, and people like it when oh, you recommend very, them. Yeah. But also, it stood me in good stead because it just means you're doing the thing that you're best at. You're finding your niche. As and well, you're working out what's the bit. Mm. So, you know, I never will do... So leadership matters is not about the technicality. You know, half of the job of leadership is being expert at doing technical things really, really well. You know, someone like Tom Reese at Ambition School Leadership um, and a guy, oh, I've forgotten his name, he's written a brilliant book, uh, just come out for John Cat. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um... We'll tweet, I'll tweet that, um, that is all about the expert and the technical knowledge you need to have as a leader. And that's really, really important. 
and people who are in schools or who are really um, on it. You know, so you know, how do you do good performance management? What does uh, really great teaching and learning look like? And how do you help teachers be better at being great teachers? Well, I don't really do much training on that because it's 10 years since I've been in a school. What, I'm, what I am really good at, though, and what I'm better at, you know, and know much more about than I ever did when I was in school, is like, what, is, what are the models of leadership, though? What are the behaviours that true. people have? And that's the thing that's my niche point. Well, you're very modest as well, though. If I, I, I said it to you before we started. Uh, yeah. I said I was actually taken back by how quite humbling you are, like how modest you are. You're just a people person. Yeah. And as you said, before we even had any of the cameras on, you just said, I'm just myself. Yeah. And that's very apparent. You're not different to how you are now, to how the cameras are on. You're completely, you're the same. Yeah. And it's to say, do you know what? I might not be best for this job, so I'm going to say, maybe put this person forward. I think it's very wise. And I think mm-hmm. when I first started speaking, I wanted to go everywhere. I want to do sports teams. I want to do corporates yeah. and stuff like that. We've done some corporates like Virgin Media and stuff, but yeah. we're, not, we're not focused there because I don't think, I'm not necessarily ready for it. Yes. It's not where I'm at. And Maybe I've done, when I've done, five I've, years I've, from now, I, 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 yeah. I might be able to cross over. Yeah. One, it's not really my passion at the moment. And yes. two, it's not where I'm at. I'm, yes. I, I'm comfortable um, where I'm at and I'm learning and I'm growing every day. And I feel mm-hmm. like this is what my focus is. But I think that's amazing because I think that's just what you need to do. I just absolutely... But we're back to, aren't we? What are you up to? What do you mm-hmm. care about? What's mm-hmm. your passion? I've done a bit of work in the business world, partly because I was just like curious as to whether or not I could. And whether or not How all did these it go? Things, yeah, it was fine. They seemed to like it. Yeah. But it didn't give me the same amount of mm. feedback and pleasure. And you know, so yeah, if those things comes a lot, come along, then great. You can take it, aren't uh, you? Of course. You know, and and like, I'm trying to plough some of the money that I get from that into like a charity. Oh, that's the other thing I'm thinking. Of, well, I am doing. I'm setting up a charity um, to help people aged between 16 and 18 who are like really talented in the performing arts. It's called the Started Foundation. And uh, David Putnam's just agreed to be our patron, which I'm very excited about. Is there about. Um, a website for this? Yeah, there yet? is. It's <laughs> so we can put all the It exists. Well. It exists. Um, but it's not up and running yet. So it's just like a, a... Once again, if there's anything I can do to help, any other opportunities. Okay, fantastic. Obviously, I'm connected to a wide range of different people, especially within that age group. Yeah. So even if it's, I don't know them directly... But there, are, there are people who are age 16 to 18 who are very talented, who could go to the Brit School or whatever the equivalent is in Bristol or BOA in Birmingham or wherever it is, who don't because they don't know how to audition well or they're worried about how am I going to pay the bus to get there every day. So we're just going to give mm. training for auditions and bursaries, and that's what it will do. And I won't do any of that. I'm just going to like put my own money in to start with, from particularly some of these business gigs, um, and you know, and a little bit back from leadership matters into into that, um, and it's then amazing. prove the concept, and then I knock on the door of some. You know, so if you know anyone in business who's like got a few quid that they want to do something good with, that's the plan. I heard this guy Andy Burke's got quite a lot of money. I'm <laughs> <laughs> we'll considering knocking on his door soon. That's the first time I've shifted uncomfortably yeah. in my chair. Did you <laughs> yeah, notice that? <laughs> um, you ever thought about running for prime minister? Oh, too, too many skeletons in the cupboard apart from anything else. Uh, I don't think I'd stand uh, scrutiny for As five minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks. You just went straight in yeah. there, didn't you? I mean. I, I also think... When you watch, um, though, like Donald Trump, watch oh. all these people, regardless of what they're saying, mm. I bet you're fascinated with the oh, way completely. they lead. I bet you're just watching the way totally. they talk, the words they use, how Do you they... know the best... The thing I could not stop watching 
was every year the president, I don't know if this still happens actually under the current president, but the president of the United States every year has a dinner with the press corps. With corps. a comedian? Oh, no. Oh. Well, I don't know. They, I think they may have a comedian, but they, okay. they, run, they have a dinner for the, the White House press corps, and it's a big affair. Glitzy, they're all in tuxedos and I all the rest it's the of it. Same event, yeah. It might well be, and uh, and then like, but the president does a kind of speech at that, and I watched uh, Barack Obama do his final one. It's the one where he does the drop mic the, drop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I watched the whole thing. It's over an hour. Wow. Couldn't stop watching it, and I was like learning. And Steve Radcliffe, I've watched him talk. You know, I'm always watching people and learning. How, how do they? I mean, you must be the same because mm. you know we're in a similar business, just different Except audience. I can't stand still when I talk. I can't oh, stand okay. still anyway. So when I see someone like Barack Obama up there, just yeah, I just think, wow. So I move about, but I move about less than I did because when I watched myself back on video or I watch other people who move about a lot and stand-up comedians sometimes move about too much. Mm. It's a nervous energy. It's a bit off-putting. Mm. Like it doesn't make it as easy to watch. So it's little things like that. The I open body I'm, language. I think the, I'm more like that in schools if I've got a 300, 400 yeah. person assembly. Yeah. So I'm up, I'm to the right, I'm to the yes. left because I'm just trying, I'm to the side. Yeah. So I'm just trying to grip their attention. Yes. And do you do what I think is called crossing the line? What's that? So it's like when you walk down the aisle and you're looking at the screen or a resource standing with them, mm. looking forwards. Mm. I, uh, sometimes. Because again, I, that's... I don't normally. Yeah, so I've started to do that a bit. It's quite interesting. It's called crossing the line, where you go, you go into the audience. So I go into and, the audience, but I don't okay. really turn my back on it. Okay, so I'm sort of looking with them at something. So if I'm explaining a model, I'll sometimes talk about it while we're all watching mm. it. Um, One thing I've started to do in a workshop, though, is... Well, I don't, what's it called? Set up the, the tables like a big N. Oh, so I call that a horseshoe. horseshoe. Yeah, horseshoe, essentially. That's, at Joe Richardson, the classrooms are designed big enough where you could have a horseshoe if you wanted one. Are they good? Are yeah. they good practice? It's good practice. I quite like it because it's... I've everyone's kind, on the front row. I've kind of, Yeah, everyone's on the front row and I've kind of got that space to use. Yeah, to. And they can see and hear each other, plus you've got a space in the middle. I, you know, They haven't got their back to you and, yeah. Everyone's on the front row. I love a horseshoe. And then you can get them having pair conversation or you can get them to shift around and make a little group of four and then put the chairs back. We did it the other day in a school in Aylesbury and we had 60 year nine students in this two kind of two classrooms put together. Yeah. It was hard work. It was probably the biggest horseshoe I've ever done, but it was was good. Love a horseshoe. Love a horseshoe. It was good. So um, to wrap this up, I ask all my guests this type of question. You could sit down with any three people, dead or alive, Cool. Who would it be? You've already mentioned if people like Nelson Mandela might not be those people, yeah. but who would you sit down with? So I'd want someone who I think would just be really entertaining and fun. And so there are a few people that are coming to mind, but someone who I think would just be lovely and who's a big gay icon as well would be Stephen Fry. Okay. I just think Stephen Fry would be amazing to sit down and have dinner with and talk about stuff. Um, and And... Yeah, so so him. Gosh. On the spot. Yeah, no, what? you are because it's like it just says something about you, doesn't it? As well. So. Yeah, we're gonna. I judge love. You yeah. This whole, um, what you're about to say now. Yeah. The whole interview is coming down to this so, question. So I kind of am fascinated by Olivia Coleman. Who's that? So she's an actress. She's currently playing the Queen in the Crown. Oh, okay. Um. But she also played the head of MI5 in the this the really dark um, thing called The Hostage, I think it was, um, 
Oh, no, the Bodyguard mm. uh, TV series. She, I, I don't know. I'm just. She's like a woman for the moment for me. I'm just like watching. I just find her absolutely fascinating. Um, and then probably Cameron Macintosh. That's a great I'd love name. to sit down to a camera. Yeah, anyone oh, with Cameron, you've got to like, got to name. ask yourself the question. To be honest, <laughs> haven't you? By the way, I don't think he's ever called Cam, but he might actually he probably is actually. But I just don't know him that well. I have met him a couple of times, but not to talk to. Um, so he is a theatrical entrepreneur. He's behind Les Misérables, uh, Sunset Boulevard. You know all these, um, and he's collaborated with people like Andrew Lloyd Webber. And but he's a big the- theatrical impresario. Mm. Um, and like he's kind of like got the other job I would love to have. I'd love to have been an architect. I'd love to have been a, a, a theatrical impresario, like just behind the scenes, thinking about what the people like. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I just love all that. And I think he would be very interesting. What he's like as a person, I'm not so sure compared with the other two. I think the other two would be lovely. Um, I, I, I think he has a, a, a rep where he can be a bit tough sometimes. Okay. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know the man behind the... Uh, so they weren't the things you were expecting, you know, might have said Nelson Mandela do you, or do you know Barack what? Obama. Ever, that's the or... first time anyone's ever said three whole people I've not... Never <laughs> heard of. Never heard of. So <laughs> I'm working great. on my listeners. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, know if that, I don't know if the respect line has gone up or down. I don't know if they picked it up on yeah, a camera. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who are they? Um, yeah, anyone? Yeah, um, yeah. What advice would... Like, I look up to you. Before I go, I've got to ask this. What advice would you give to me? You know what I'm thinking, you kind of know what I'm trying to do in a way. Mm, mm. What advice? I'm, I'm 27, 28 on December the 3rd. I will be a September birthday card, so if mm. you want to send one. Okay. Uh, September the 3rd? December the 3rd. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> but what advice would you give me? I'm, I'm start- obviously, I've taken on um, some people now. I'm starting to mm. train other people. So I'm building, I'm scaling. Obviously, I don't want to lose the value we're adding. But what advice mm. would you give me or what I'm trying to do? Considering I'm heavily pupil premium focused and... Yeah, so I think meeting you and like hearing you talk about what you're doing, um, number one, just don't lose your passion for what you do. Okay. Just don't lose that. And and I really like what you've said about how like, to start with. I'd like <laughs> not I'd take any job, but like mm. really really honing that in onto where am I adding the most value. So I really like what you said when I'm working with fewer pupils now than I was before. Uh, the English teacher me would say fewer not less pupils than you were working with before yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't help myself uh um and, somebody, and really like making a like making a bigger difference alone. making a bigger difference so you know that, that, that idea of seeing a group of students six times a year rather than one so doing stuff for the longer term because in the end that will make more of a difference mm. and in the end when you're freelance when you're in any role whether it's a business and education or anything else i kind of think it comes down to does it work do I work? Does what we're doing? And the fact that you're getting bigger and, and, and realizing I need others to help me, then that's great because then you're, you, you, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to have a bigger sphere. But keeping what you care about at the core of what you do, number one. Number two, and again, I think you do this, just be you. Mm. Be authentic. Don't try and be something you're not, which you don't. I love that. Because um, I had uh, a choice today. Um, we got clothes in the car. Do I do I do my hair for this one? Yeah, right, or, like, yeah, yeah, put yeah, on yeah, some yeah, trousers. Yeah, me in a suit and tie. No, but, no, yeah, but it was yeah. literally a consideration. We was like, do yes. we do it? And then yes. I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not yeah, going yeah, to. Yeah. Because keep doing that's it. Keep not, being that's not you. who I am. Because I'm not always going to have my hat done to the back when you know I'm a bit older. But sometimes it's just like you know we've been traveling a lot today, so it's like no, I'm just going to be me. Yeah, and I love you know. The fact that you also, like, you're investing in people, but you're also investing in, you know, coming here with all this, I mean, it's quite fancy equipment, I have to tell you guys that are watching this, 
Like that's that's not cheap. Um, so you know, keep taking the little risks, but calculated risks. Uh, keep pushing the boundaries, um, but don't go too far in front of yourself. Okay. Because then people fall over. The, the, the hubris takes over, and they start to believe their own. You know, their, you know, drinking your own bathwater. I think is the phrase. I think yeah, I think that happened to me though. And I think I've already say a couple of years ago when I said I was just doing assemblies. Right. And it was great. It was good for the ego. I was getting messages on Instagram yeah, yeah, after, yeah. like constantly, you're amazing. Da, 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 da. And I think I, I, I really kind of, yeah, I bought into that. But then yeah. it, I've, I've quickly realized, and we've realized that you know what, all of that stuff really like it. it it's nice, but it does, it doesn't matter. Yes. And that's once it is again, nice. it's nice. Right. But that's why yeah. I've redefined what we're trying to do. And yes. I've cut it down. I'm not going for the big numbers. I'm not going to look successful on Instagram or social media. I'm actually trying yeah. to make a difference. Yes. And I know what we're trying to do. So it kind yeah. of felt like a step back, but we're actually not. No. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm, that's wise beyond your years because it take me a lot longer to realise that. Mm. Um, I, I really think that's true. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to sum up what I said. Yeah. So keep 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 caring about what you care about. Um, keep authentic uh, and keep pushing the boundaries. But uh, like ten to fifteen percent outside, don't go fifty. It's mm. true. Anyway, Andy, thank you. That's been fun. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I can't believe it. Like, we've been going an hour, probably. It's I don't crazy. know. How long have we been doing? Just over an hour. Just yeah. over an hour. Honestly, yeah. thank you. And hopefully, as I said, if there's anything I can do, um, I'm sure I'll be bugging you on LinkedIn and stuff, sending yeah. you messages and, and stuff like that anyway. But I do appreciate your time, especially now on a Friday evening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, we will put all your information, everything in below. You've also got an event coming up, right, for teachers and stuff. Is that right? Yeah, so we, uh, we've got a, an annual conference in Birmingham on the 24th, I think. But if you, yeah, just Google LM Meet or Leadership Matters, you'll see you'll see links to and it. And as, yeah. um, as Andy said, guys, there's a huge amount of stuff, tools, content, and things online what you, what you can check out. And even just follow Andy on Twitter and stuff like that. You won't only just see him drinking wine, you will see him... Uh, <laughs> you will actually see some valuable content on there but yeah once again guys that's another podcast wrapping up here in london we got probably a three and a half hour drive back to bristol but it's all worth it uh, make sure you comment you share you like um, and hit that big red button subscribe and remember you can either have excuses or you can have results but you cannot have both i'm out peace Monday Monday